0: Rugby KO, a podcast that pulls no punches. We deliver rugby insights from passionate enthusiasts from the grassroots to the global game. Players, punters, professionals and partners providing uncensored opinions on how the sport of rugby can thrive again. Welcome to Rugby KO with your host, Katrina Oxenham.
1: After a career in the banking and finance industry in Australia and the US, David Mortimer joined TNT Limited in 1973, becoming Chief Financial Officer and a Director of the company. Mr Mortimer was later appointed Managing Director and Chief Executive Officer of TNT. He remained as Chairman and CEO of the Asia-Pacific region until he resigned 24 years later in 1997. He was Chairman or Director of many corporations over five decades, including Ansett Australia, GD Express Worldwide, Ascom School, Sydney Airports Corporation, the MIA Group, SciTech Corporation, the Australian Tourist Commission, Sigma Pharmaceuticals, the Defence Procurement Advisory Board, and worked closely with the Australian Government to conduct various reviews and reports for them, including the Mortimer Report. More recently, he was Chairman of Leighton Holdings, Director of Intel Management, and Chairman of Australia Post. In 2005, Mr David Mortimer was appointed as an Officer of the Order of Australia. David was also appointed a Fellow of the University of Sydney and is now Chair of the University of the Sydney Senate Investment and Commercialisation Committee, Chair of Opera Australia, Director of PetSec Energy and the MySale Group. He is Governor of the Australia and Israel Chamber of Commerce and also Committee for Economic Development of Australia. He is also an Ambassador of the Australian Indigenous Education Foundation. He was chairman of Crescent Capital Partners for 16 years until his retirement at the end of 2017. David Mortimer is a director of the Australian Schoolboys Rugby Foundation and is chairman of the Sydney University Football Club Foundation. He was president of the Sydney University Football Club for 16 years until his retirement in 2016. I talked to David about his time at the helm and in building the Sydney University Rugby Club, what club rugby means to him his profound insights into directorships, the purpose of the chair on a board of directors, the importance of strategic planning, governance, and also all that is happening in rugby in Australia right now. David, it is a pleasure to welcome you to the Rugby KO podcast today. You've had an illustrious career and significant background on various boards across various industries over some five decades, often holding the position of chair You were recently considered for the role of Rugby Australia chairman. Can you tell us a little of what transpired leading up to that time?
0: Yeah, what actually happened is when I was at the World Cup, I ran into John Sharp, who was acting chairman of that nominations committee. And he asked me about my interest in getting involved with Rugby Australia. And I suggested some potential names to him for consideration by his committee. And they came back to me again later on say, so, uh, would I be interested in uh, being considered? And I said, well, I could be interested, but I'm not interested in going through a particular process, frankly, because I'm a bit beyond that this stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they kept approaching me and I thought, well, I'll give it some thought. And we had a couple of meetings. Well, we had one meeting in particular with the committee, which was quite encouraging in terms of what I thought the direction would end up being. They had a number of very good candidates that they wanted to enter the board all of which looked pretty positive. So we took it along for another discussion and then there was a desire by Rugby Australia to get me to meet up with me, which I did with Paul McLean, and expressed some of my views. And the long and short of that was that they had other views in mind and we didn't take it any further.
1: What were the key things, do you think, that were the differences in those views?
0: Oh, I think the typical is you'd expect someone with my background to want Firstly, I wanted to be chairman from day one, not to be a deferred chairman, if you like. And secondly, I wanted some changes to the board, which I mentioned. And those changes would come in due course, but would have to have been announced. And that wasn't something that was, this is my interpretation anyway, but it was probably something that wasn't acceptable. If that was the case, then it was a position that didn't work for other options, which I picked up with. And uh, Peter Wiggs was someone who I thought would be very good. And, of course, Hamish McClellan, who's now the chairman, looks like he's doing a terrific job. So I think they've ended up with a good solution.
1: So what do you think is that key role of a chairman and how important is that relationship with, say, the CEO?
0: I think the relationship between the chairman and the CEO is critical. Uh, the CEO obviously goes to the hard yards on a day-to-day basis. The chairman's there to support and guide the CEO and make sure that implementing policy, which is consistent with that, that the board's established, uh, be a source of counsel to that CEO as it's made is needed. Very important role in my opinion.
1: You know, the CEO, they've got to search at the moment for a CEO and they're conducting that. What sort of qualities do you think would be vital to that CEO role. I know that Rob Clark at the moment is the interim CEO. He has declared that he will not be put forward for the full time role of CEO. So what sort of qualities do you think the CEO of Rugby Australia needs?
0: Well, I think the CEO needs a couple of things. Firstly the particular position demands quite a deal of energy, someone that's got a bit of vision, a vision being important in this difficult times for rugby because one needs to be reminded and I think the chairman has Been very good at expressing that is that, that it's in the entertainment business, and you've got to get the eyeballs watching the TV sets once again, in particular for our code and associating the success of that code with uh, younger, emerging population and school age children so they can get excited about it all. So, entertainment's number one vision and ability to be able to negotiate. We've seen that one of the key issues of. The new board is grappling with its communication with the TV companies and contract. And I think once again, in the chairman, they've got a very strong candidate who's well-known to the News Corp group and has a strong background in media. I think the chief executive needs to also have a good feel for media and the importance of media to not only uh, the test-level rugby participants, but also to the youngsters. Because the youngsters who watch the game fall in love with the game and fall in love with characters that they see playing the game on television. And so I think that's very, very important. i see vision, innovation, a high degree of energy, an ability to manage stakeholders both upwards and also downwards, an ability to communicate very effectively with those stakeholders, including players, so that the players know that they're working for something that is positive to the code. I think that's the sort of thing that I'd be looking for, ability to communicate, vision, high energy levels, get a spark. It's so essential to get people excited about what you're doing.
1: And do you believe, I know you had some comments around the board when you were being considered for the chair role, do you believe that the current composition of the board is appropriate and can help the CEO steer the sport in the right direction that we so vitally need right now?
0: I'm not in a position to comment on the board as it was before. But as an observer and someone who's familiar with a good board practice, I would say a very constructive board would be very useful to the chairman and the chief executive in in ensuring a successful transition into a leading position globally in rugby for Australia again. Mm -hmm. So I think the board does have a lot to contribute. And if you've got the right mix in that board, which would include very strong financial acumen, very, very powerful media knowledge and expertise, people skills, the government's knowledge and an ability to understand the game in depth and communicate effectively with players in the game in depth, both domestic and
1: internationally. So you have a very strong governance focus and you've clearly had extensive experience on boards. You may not wish to comment and that's fine, but I thought I would ask you, what do you make of the issues surrounding the financial accounts and the lack of transparency there for the last financial year from Rugby Australia?
0: Well, again, my observations are from a distance. My first observation would be to say that I'm sure that the coronavirus pandemic has made them into the organisation in mm. terms of their timetable. That's the first thing. And I think that's very important. The second thing is, very clearly, they have had a problem with going concerned sign-offs. And that had to be addressed the satisfaction, I'm sure, of the board before the board was willing to put their name to the accounts. I think that's probably fairly reasonable. In terms of transparency, I'm a great believer in as much transparency as one can possibly get. It's important that we're able to convey messages to our audience, in this case our stakeholders, about the well-being or otherwise of the players of uh, Rugby Australia. Uh, so I think it's important that we be very, very open about that. And I think That is positive. It is something that will help the organisation rather than in my judgement.
1: Yeah. So obviously at the moment, Rugby Australia is in a situation where we need to sort of pick the game up and do a few of the things that you've already mentioned in terms of being able to thrive again. What do you think some of the other, say, maybe a couple of elements that are the immediate issues that you would do, say, if you were at the reins of Rugby Australia today, what would you change or implement almost immediately?
0: My philosophy is very strongly associated with the development at school level. I think we need to get youngsters playing again. We have serious competition in the AFL and rugby league environment and soccer to a lesser extent. All of those codes have got serious money compared to Rugby Australia, but we have to win back the hearts and minds of the youngsters. To that extent, I think schools' rugby programs are very important. I and a number of senior Sydney business people, Sydney, Victorian, and Queensland business people, have started an association coaching program for youngsters called International Rugby Academy of Australia. We launched it in November 22nd last year eight courses in the end of January this year, all of which were immensely successful. Unfortunately, coronavirus 19 has stopped us in our tracks at least for another few months, but we're ready to recommence as soon as we get the all clear. Mm -hmm. That activity has shown us or reminded us that we can get youngsters re-engaged in rugby as opposed to rugby league options and other AFL-type options they're faced with at the moment. One of the things we're a little bit short of is a clear pathway. One of the roles I play at the moment is I'm chairman of the Rugby Australian Schools Foundation, which is a very minor foundation, I might add, but that was established some years ago to provide funding for the Australian schools rugby teams to play international matches. That's been very successful. I'd like to see some of those schools programs extended down and extended out to new rugby schools. With some funding, modest funding is probably all that's required to get a number of schools engaged and then to start up competitions amongst those schools, which are not traditional rugby schools, so that you can start getting participants' numbers increased in the game of rugby. So that's my passion. In terms of the senior level environment, I think there's some work needed to be done. It looks like it's been very constructively considered by the experts in terms of super rugby. I think that's a positive. And I think I'm rather encouraged by the youngsters coming through from last year's under-20s team. Those youngsters look like uh, they've got great potential and will put the lotteries back in the real contest level at international matches. So that's a very positive thing. But we need to keep the youngsters coming through. That to me is very positive. In terms of coaching, I think we've got some very good coaches in Australia and I think those coaches still need to be given further development opportunities. The coach that I was associated with most recently through the Sydney University Club, uh, Rob Taylor, has now gone as assistant coach or attack coach for the Leicester Tigers in the United Kingdom. So these guys are being recognised overseas but having a little bit difficulty being recognised in Australia. I'd like to think that our own and that is IRIA, so a coaching program will help to bridge some of the gaps that have appeared in the coaching skills department. There's a gap at the youngsters' level between about 14 and 16, 17, where there are no really serious competitions being played. And that's when youngsters have a tendency to wander off and do other codes and other activities. And that gap needs to be filled.
1: And the International Rugby Academy of Australia that you have set up with a cohort of others from around the various states in Australia. That is a replica of the New Zealand Academy, if I'm right, and it was basically designed to sort of maximise the potential of young Australian rugby players and talent and strengthen those pathways that you talk about. The funding for that, that comes from that cohort, does it? Is it funded by the governing bodies at all?
0: I think this is one of the exciting things about our opportunities frankly myself and a very good colleague david baske decided we needed to do something he was motivated by one of his family's youngsters who was constantly being approached by other codes to participate in one of these youngsters that's mostly talented and we just said let's do something about it and so we made a series of phone calls to people both in, in victoria and new south wales and queensland we spoke to potential sponsors so uh, we got them on board we got endorsement from Rugby Australia. We got an association, a close association, with the identical program which was established in New Zealand by Murray Mexted called International Rugby Academy in New Zealand. And we put it all together with a, a package of outstanding international names and coaches who took the programs on board in January of this year. So we had names which included distinguished Australian rugby such as Nick Farr, John, John Eales. David Campezi, people like Phil Cairns and Luke Burgess, a number of Australians, some New Zealanders, Andrew Merton's also an Englishman who came out, Brian Ashcroft, to help with the program for our coaches and with great support from Murray Mexton and his colleagues from Iran, New Zealand. So together we put that with great support. We raised about three quarters of a million dollars, no documents, just got on with the job that tells you that things can be done in this country in the rugby front, but it requires energy, initiative, get up and go, and not taking no for an answer. A lot of people will say it's too hard, we can't do it. You've just got to do it, and that's what we've
1: done. Well, that's brilliant. Well done to you and everyone involved. It's exciting for those younger players now that can be afforded some direction when they hit that 14-, 15-, 16-year-old age group and I notice it in clubland and most club presidents around the country will say that once they hit sort of mid high school age a lot of those players that have been so committed to the sport do fall away so something like this international rugby academy will give those players hope give them structure and give them a platform to be developed and move through those pathways and hopefully create that depth in rugby in Australia that I think has been lacking in those junior youth years for some time. Well,
0: that's right. And I think to some extent, that's a result of funding. But we need solutions now. We need to get these youngsters back engaged. And by the way, we haven't discussed it, but I'm a big supporter of women's rugby too. I think the, the Women's 7 program is outstanding. And the Women's 15 program was also outstanding. And I think the women involved is so important in terms of their playing skills, which are quite exciting to watch in my opinion, but also because it engages a whole set of new spectators for, for the code at international level. And as those players become more familiar with the rules of the game, it becomes easier for them to understand the televised interpretations as well. So that's a very, very important part of the go-forward for rugby and I.
1: I agree with you. And I was moving to that in relation basically to your connection with Sydney Uni. So you're at the helm of Sydney University for rugby club for 16 years. Many people would say you're instrumental in basically turning the club around and assisting uni and becoming arguably one of Australia's strongest rugby clubs, particularly at that premier rugby level. I know during your tenure... You're able also to field some junior rugby teams and extend it to representative teams in the state championships now in New South Wales. And also it has a particularly strong women's program. Can you tell us over that 16 years what you did, because I can see the similarities with what's happening in rugby today. You took it and you grew it, and now it is strong and thriving. What did you do there at Sydney Uni? Well,
0: firstly, like all those
1: things, it's never, ever one person. I've stepped down
0: as president. There have been two very competent and successful presidents that have followed suit. And the tradition has been continued, I think, very effectively. What we did is we focused again on youth. We focused on a very, very strong cults program. And we supported those cults as they worked their way through grade. We didn't go about importing players, although there were one or two who did come. came to us through our cult program. Where we have exceptions, we made a point of making sure that those players coming in, and the one that immediately comes to mind is Beric Barnes, who moved from Queensland to New South Wales. Before we invited him to join the club, I made the point of speaking with our existing key players that were, if you like, threatened by the emergence of a very well-established young Beric Barnes uh, with a Wallaby credential coming to the club. And to my very pleasant surprise, there wasn't a single objection and quite the contrary, a total embracing of that talent that came to the club. And that's where we had one or two players that came after the cult level, and there's not very many of them. Each one was embraced because they fitted in well in terms of our culture. They fitted in well in terms of understanding where we wanted the club to go, and they fitted in well in terms of their skill set. The other thing that was very, very important continues is the strengthening of uh, the coaching program. And once again, a strong emphasis on high quality coaches at the Colts position. We thought the most important coaching position after first grade was, of course, Colts one. The result of that is we've won something like 16 club championships in a row, which is quite phenomenal. And it's all been based around solid culture. No politics, no nonsense, get on with the job and make sure that we retain our talent. I should also mention the other thing we've done. We established the Friends of Sydney University group, which has a mentoring program for our young players and helps them in terms of their career prospects once they finish their rugby experiences. So they've been the key ingredients for our success.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. You've done a lot of wonderful things there at Sydney Uni. I'm sure they were sad to see you go, but I know you're still involved there with the foundation, Schoolboys Rugby Foundation, which is also a wonderful initiative. Can you tell me, in many of your appointments, like the Sydney University Rugby Club, TNT, Crescent Capital Partners, you've committed many years to those roles, and that's provided a platform I believe, for growth, stability and direction for those entities. Is that what Rugby Australia needs right now, some longevity of commitment in those key roles?
0: I think you need to be passionate about what you're doing and you've got to be able to commit and see that your commitments are properly executed by your team that you've assembled in the organisation. I sense that the Rugby Australia board now has a strong component of the right chief executive to fill the gap that will make it when Rob steps down, and I think they'll uh, have a successful program.
1: There's been an advisory board set up in a bid for the 2027 Rugby World Cup, hoping to be held in Australia. It's been suggested that plentiful resources will be thrown at this bid, with the hope that it delivers a financial return to the sport in Australia. Is this where Rugby Australia, do you think, should be immediately spending its resources for the Rugby World Cup in sort of seven years' time? And is that where that advisory board and others involved should be focusing its efforts to revive the game, do you think?
0: I can only speculate. I don't know of the details. It looks like a very powerful advisory board, and that's positive. I would hope, but I don't know. I would hope that most of them are doing it out of a love of a game rather than for money and that it's not costing rugby Australia too much at all. That's what I would hope, but I don't know. Mm
1: -hmm. So you think it would be a good thing, though, for us to host the 2027 Rugby World Cup?
0: Yes, I do. I think it would be terrific because it gives us a goal to strive for and it's a very, very significant goal and also gives us time to rebuild our own domestic rugby stocks and perhaps uh, even have a win in 2027, if not before. So I think it's a terrific objective.
1: Yeah. Do you have any advice or suggestions for the board of directors or the new chairman moving into this important time for rugby and its future? Well, the only thing I'd say that has not
0: already been said is, remember, it's an entertainment business. We have to engage with the public. We have to have adequate television coverage so that the public can see it and love our game, I have a sense that that's very much on the agenda by the new chairman. He's got a very strong media background, and I think that equation right, then they're really in good shape. It's going to be a tough, uneasy road, but the television rights are very important, not only for the money, but more importantly, for re-engaging with the public. And I think also the work that's being done on reshaping the Super 15 program is critical. It needs to be made more, if you like, entertaining for the public. I sense that the board is well aware of that and they're trying to do something about it. So I'm very encouraged and be strongly supportive of those initiatives.
1: Mm-hmm. You've still got a wonderful involvement in rugby. And on behalf of all of the rugby community, I wanted to say thank you to you for everything you've done, not only at Sydney University for so many years, but also what you continue to do with the international academy as well the rugby academy which is very exciting also your work with the Australian Schoolboys Foundation and everything you're doing and continue to do in relation to involvement in rugby I just want to say thank you because it is people like you that really assist getting the game back on track and going over and above really what would ever be expected so thank you David on behalf of everyone. Thank you very
0: much Katrina that's very generous of you and I can assure you I'm not the only one who's enthusiastic about this code. There's a lot of people out there willing to support, wanting to help and excited about the future. So thank you very much.
1: You've left a profound legacy. It's very much appreciated to chat to you today. And again, thanks for your continued commitment to rugby and all its success. Thanks, David. Wish you well. Thank you very much, Katrina.
0: Thank you for joining us at Rugby KO. Any comments or insights, please send to Katrina at rugbyko.com. For show notes and more about all things rugby, head to our website at www.rugbyko.com. We look forward to your company for our next episode of Rugby KO.